So as a priest, I have to drive a lot, and uh, I'm always either driving up to the hospital to see somebody or driving across town to anoint somebody. On Friday, I had to drive to Chagrin, 271 in Chagrin, uh, during a blizzard to go see this little boy that's in a treatment facility. Yesterday, I got a call from my family who forgets that I actually work on the weekends, and uh, my youngest sister, Sherry, got engaged, so they were going to have a, a little engagement brunch at 2 o'clock in Strongsville, and I had confessions at 3. So I drove there at 2 o'clock, drove a half hour to Strongsville, half an hour back, made in time for confession and enough time for a cup of coffee, and I uh, got back here. But one of the things that has made it easier for me is uh, the easy pass on the turnpike, right? So I love when I get onto the turnpike and there's these huge lines at all the other, um, at all the other gates, and I get to fly through on the easy pass, you know? And I just look by and I'm like, ah, suckers, you know? And I get just to get to go right through. <laughs> And uh, I read a story about this um, toll booth in New York where this guy always had a line in his uh, toll booth. And so he always had five or six cars, and finally they decided to investigate it. And the reason he did was because the people liked talking to him. And so they would intentionally wait in line for this guy just because he brightened their day. You know, so he would actually take an interest in them and say, hey, what are you up to today? And uh, there was one lady they interviewed, and she had lost her glasses. And the toll booth agent noticed that she lost her glasses and said, hey, where are your glasses? You know, are you okay? And she said, nobody in my entire family noticed I didn't have my glasses on, but the guy at the toll booth did. And uh, so, she, so they would actually wait in line to talk to this guy. So I started to think, well, I always fly right through there. And I, I think, do I do this ever? You know, are, are there people that I, um, in my life, that I do this for? And I realized that there are. So believe it or not, the Marathon gas station... Um, that serves euros, by the way. They serve amazing euros. I know you might want, not want to get one from a gas station, but they're great. This guy, I will always buy my gas there at the Marathon gas station because this guy that is there is so nice to me. Like, anytime I've walked in there, the one day I wanted to get a euro because Chipotle was closed. It was like um, one of the holidays, you know? So Chipotle was closed, and I went over there for a euro at the gas station. Well, they weren't even making them yet. And so he goes, oh, Father, hang on, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll make you one. So he goes back there, gets everything ready, opens everything up, and there's customers, like, coming in, you know, and they're waiting. And I said, hey, you better go take care of these customers. And he goes, no, Father, they're regulars, it's okay, they just want to come in here and talk, you know. And, uh, and they did. So they didn't even care that they were waiting for him to make me this euro. They're all happy, and they're talking to me, and they're getting coffee, and it was like happy hour at the, you know, at 10 in the morning at the marathon. They were just glad to talk to him, and so was I. I realized, too, there's this lady. I go to a restaurant on my day off. The food's not very good, and it's overpriced. And I just like going because the waitress is really nice to me. You know, so I go there for my breakfast. And I realized how people do, just by being kind, um, you want to be by them. You know, you want, you're willing to wait. You're willing to be inconvenienced because they're kind to you. And ultimately, what I think is so attractive about that, you know, why they wait at the toll booth line and why they wait at the Marathon gas station and why I go to a, a crummy diner to, to get overpriced food is because these people are loving. And St. Paul shows us in uh, the second reading today the model for love. So he begins with this wonderful discourse, and he says, Strive for the greatest spiritual gifts, but I will show you a still more excellent way. And then Paul goes on to this wonderful litany of ways to love. And so I'd like to just go through this with you and have you think about it. Uh, first of all, is there anybody in your life 
that you have experienced this kind of love from? And secondly, are you loving like this? Are you loving the people that you're supposed to love in this way? So Paul begins, love is patient, love is kind. So first of all, love is patience. Are you patient with the people that you're supposed to love? Are you patient with your wife? Are you patient with your husband? Are you patient with your children? Are you patient with your co-workers? Love is patience. And patience, I know, is not easy. That's the number one confessed sin. You know, people always say, Father, I'm impatient. I can't, I'm just impatient. I confess it too. And um, love is patient, though. And what patience really means is, from the Latin, it means to suffer with. It means being willing to suffer with somebody who's struggling. You know, so it is being patient with that child that comes to you and they want that, they want you to go over the same homework problem with them that you've already gone over 20 times with them with. It means patient with your husband when he comes home late from work. You know, it means patient with your wife when she spends a little too much shopping. Just being patient to be willing to suffer with somebody else in their walk of life. So are you patient with those that you're called to love? The second positive quality, Paul says, is love is kind. And I think that that's why that makes that toll booth agent so attractive to people and why I'm willing to go to, to Marathon to fill up my gas tank and, you know, why I'll spend more money on a crummy breakfast because the, the, the diner lady is kind to me. You know, just think about what a kind person can do to your day. You know, I know for me that, that morning I'd been shopping and running errands and all of a sudden somebody was kind to me. Somebody paid attention to me and uh, talked to me. Changed everything. Are you kind to the people that you meet throughout the day? Then Paul goes on now to give us seven or eight of the, the, the negative qualities of ways not to love, which are pretty common for us. You know, so he begins off with, love is not jealous. And it's safe to say that if you're ever being jealous, stop it. It's not love. It's not what you're called to be. So if you're, if you're jealous of your, of your husband or jealous of the friends that he have or maybe you're jealous of, you know, of your girlfriends and the things that they have or you're jealous of what other people have, stop. It's not love. Don't even go down that path. It is not pompous. You know, so love is not about um, how great we are. And I think it's a trap for, for a lot in our society, especially for, you know, husbands who might be working and it's all about their job. It's all about the promotion. It's all about the car that they drive. And, and there's a pompousness to it. It's not love. It is not inflated. You know, so love is not constantly thinking about what it can do for itself. And so anytime you find yourself wanting to inflate yourself and not others, stop. It's not love. It's not what we're called to. It is not rude. I think this is especially good for the children today. Love is not rude. And so anytime we find ourselves being rude or being um, abrasive or aggressive, it's not love. And so if we catch ourselves going down that path, stop. Love is not rude. It does not seek its own interests. Love does not care about me. It does not always seek what's best for me. It seeks what's best for the other. And so think about that with your life. 
you know, don't think about what's best for you. Think about what's best for your husband or think about what's best for your children or think about what's best for the parents that you have to care for. Love does not seek its own interests. It is not quick-tempered. Guys, this one's for you. Love is not quick-tempered. I was with a couple last night who heard this homily and they were laughing so hard because the husband's quick-tempered and the wife always broods over injury. But it's not quick-tempered. So if you find yourself getting upset and throwing a temper, stop it right away. Don't even go down that path because that's not what love is. It does not brood over injury. Yes, ladies, this one is for you. It does not brood over injury. So if you find yourself bringing up things from the past, ways that your husband disappointed you or hurt you, and throwing that in his face, you know, psychologists say that's one of the most toxic things you can do in a relationship is to bring up the old stuff from the past. Love does not brood over injury. You know, if you've been injured or if you've been hurt, um, forgive them. Put it behind you. Let it go. It does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. I think we love to do this. You know, think about a celebrity that, uh, you know, gets busted for something. So we love to see when uh, a shining star like Britney Spears goes down or, you know, the, the low hands or... Um, the Kardashians. We love to see when they get in like some horrible DUI and make a fool of themselves. But love does not delight in wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. And then finally he ends with these affirmations. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. My brothers and sisters, if we love in this way, the final line is, love never fails. So if we love each other in this way, if it's patient and it is kind and if it does not brood over injury and it is not um, prone to, to anger, it will never fail. And I think that in our, our world today, we need it more than ever. 50% of marriages end in divorce. And I just wonder if we all truly loved each other in these simple ways, if we were patient and kind with one another, I do believe that that love wouldn't fail. And so this is a wonderful model to live by. You know, I have it up on, on my wall. I just encourage you, put it up on your fridge, memorize it, and live by this way. And if you, if you realize yourself going down one of the ways that it says love is not, stop doing it. It's not love. And love each other as God has truly intended us to do so. And we'll find that if we do love each other in this way, we'll be able to bear anything that life throws at us. We'll be able to endure through anything that comes in our way. And ultimately, this love will never fail.